Amen. Bless the Lord. I've had such a wonderful time thus far in service. How about you? Amen. 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 So I certainly won't prolong the hour. I will not labor before you long. So I just ask that if I can have a few spiritual cheerleaders. I got you. Okay. All right. Okay. That's all I need is a few spiritual cheerleaders, and I'll be on my way. Okay, and as we, um, I'm going to open up in prayer, so if you would just bow your heads for a moment of prayer. Father God, we thank you on today. Thank you, Lord God, for God, you sit high and you look low. And Lord God, we thank you because we are in your hands. We thank you, Lord God, because you are all in control. Father God, we thank you because you are a promise keeper. You are a protector. And Father God, we just ask right now, Lord God, that you just open our minds and our hearts to receive the word on today, Lord God. And, Lord God, that it just marinates in our spirits, Lord God. And, Lord God, it convicts, it consoles, and it comforts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So on last week, we learned about the prophecy of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, we understand that Jesus has several names. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father, and he is the Prince of Peace. And on today, we're going to continue in our series of the birth of Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, born of a virgin. Our scripture will be focusing on Isaiah chapter 7, where the prophet Isaiah makes the prophetic announcement of the virgin birth. So if you would, if you could just travel with me over to the book of Isaiah chapter 7. And when you have it. Say amen. I'm going to begin reading. I will begin reading at verse 1. I'll be coming from the New International Version. Okay? Now, mind you, by the time the events that happened in Isaiah chapter 7 unfolds, the nation of Judah had already faced terrible calamity. Okay? So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1, begin. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezan, of Aaron and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. As the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind, then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shirjeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the Landerous field. Verse 4. Say to him, say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Reason and Aaron and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabil king over it. Verse seven, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not, it will not, it will not. Whatever it is in your life right now, it will not take place, it will not happen. Let's skip down to verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David, 
or hear now, King Ahaz? Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you now try the patience of my God also? Here Isaiah is basically, basically saying that he's trying the patience of God. Why do that? God is offering him to ask of him for a sign. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which translates to what church? God with us. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the word, reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings that he's worried about that's come up against Jerusalem will be dread and will be laid to waste. So church, here we have King Ahaz, who refused to heed the commands from the Lord and refused God's offer to ask for a sign. Yet God still offered him his hand of mercy. The irony in this text is that while Ahaz thinks he's putting God to the test, it's actually Ahaz who is being tested. So from the passage of scripture, I think it would be safe to presume that if the king of Judah and the people of Judah had put their trust in the Lord, they would have had the peace of God in this conflict. Isaiah had instructed Ahaz words from God to take heed and be quiet and to not be afraid, to be careful and to be cautious, to put his trust in the Lord. Instead, he didn't do that. He didn't heed the commands of the Lord. He took matters in his own hands. And we are sometimes a bit like Ahaz. We don't sit still long enough to hear from God. We don't know when to shut our mouths. We don't know when to be quiet and stop talking and stop complaining about the problem. The reason is because we have our eyes so focused on the problem that we lose sight of the problem solver. And that's Jesus. Trust me, I understand that when the unexpected happens, it could feel very overwhelming. Especially if this is the first time you've ever experienced that situation of circumstance. You didn't expect it. You didn't see it coming. And you say to yourself, why is this happening to me? Why am I in this position? Why is this now happening to me? I said it to myself in December of 2019. Everything up to now has been going just fine. Where did this all come from? But I have a revelation for you, church. The situation that you're in, the problem that you're faced with, did not take God by surprise. Amen. It didn't take God by surprise. What you're going through did not catch God off God. Amen, church. Amen. So like King Ahaz, we panic. We get overwhelmed by the situation or circumstance and let it vex our spirit. Instead of praying about it, we start to worry. And guess what? The enemy sees it too when you worry. Do you realize that when you worry, it opens a spirit of defeat and discouragement and doubt? Worrying only makes you feel like you can't win. So like King Ahaz, we try to get in front of the problem. Church, we must understand that when we attempt to manipulate the outcome, we are bearing weight that's not intended for us to carry. It's too heavy for you to carry. You see, when you try to carry weight, God's weight, you crumble. You experience anxiety, depression, 
stress, you're overwhelmed because you're not designed by nature to carry God's weight. It's God's weight. God said in his word, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, God can only carry weight that's intended for him to carry. So, beloved, I urge you to put every situation in the capable hands of God. To say goodbye to something that a lot of us don't want to give up, and that's control. Say goodbye to that. You don't have to know, guess what? You don't have to know the plan, but trust his plan. He has your best interest in mind, which brings me to my first point, and that is you can trust God's plan, okay? We serve a God who sees all and knows all. God is omniscient, all-knowing. So even here, these two kings had devised their plans and plotted to dispose Ahaz, conspiring to defeat the capital of Judah and attempting to set up their own king, God was not concerned about their plans. What these kings did not realize was that the battle was not Ahaz. The battle is the Lord. And God is telling us the battle is not ours. It's the Lord. You see, God had already decreed their attack would not succeed. Although Isaiah had told Ahaz what the Lord said, that their plans would not stand. It will not come to pass. Okay? Isaiah 55 and 11 reminds us, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in a thing whereunto I sent it. So as we read in the text, as we read in the text, God attempts to reach Ahaz through his prophet Isaiah and told Ahaz, now I need you to ask God for a sign. God is extending an invitation. You know, he sends an invitation to us. He wants to hear from us. He wants you to come to him first and acknowledge him first, not to lean on your own understanding, but go to him first. Now, this was a significant moment because they, because by asking Ahaz to ask God for a sign, this would challenge Ahaz to either receive by faith God's prophetic promise or reject it. Because you see, if Ahaz had asked for a sign, and when God fulfilled that sign, he would have to be obligated to believe. You know, when God, can, when God can't teach you, I want you to hear this, when God can't teach you through instruction, he will teach you through experiences. I'm going to say that again. When God can't teach you through instructions, he will teach you through experiences. So just like us today, whether we believe God's word over our lives or not, his plan for our lives will prevail. God will pardon our iniquities and look past our transgression and extend his hand of mercy towards us because he has a plan for our lives, church, don't he? Amen. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. I don't know about you. But I'm glad God's plan is written for my life. There are endless opportunities that God wants to do in your life and also in my life. Jeremiah 29 and 11, this is my favorite scripture here, one of my favorites. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I need you to hear me. 
God says to Jeremiah, I know the plans. I know the plans. He didn't say, you know the plans, but I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, which suggests to me that there are some things that God intentionally does not let us in on. Let that marinate a little bit. You see, you may set out to initiate your plans at first, and it may seem to be working, but then over time it doesn't work out like you expected. So I solicit you to ask God to show you his plan for your life. God wants us to trust in his provision for our needs. And sometimes, sometimes that provision requires us to step out in faith and use what resources he has given us. It may not seem like a lot to us, but God can multiply the efforts when we trust his plan. When Ahaz failed to realize, what he failed to realize is that God was extending his mercy in spite of his iniquity. God was willing to encourage Ahaz and show him a practical way that he was in control and that Ahaz did not have to worry. God was willing to help Ahaz to trust him. But Ahaz, we know, responded to God's invitation and refused it, rejected, saying he didn't want to put it to test. And God responds to Ahaz, failed opportunity by giving him a sign anyways. Even though he didn't ask, he rejected it. God responded and gave him a sign anyways. The sign God would give pointed to the birth of Jesus. God had a plan, church, and that plan was that a Savior would be born. What can we learn from this? No matter how bad things, things seem, God has a glorious plan for your life. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God has a plan for your life. Know that your life is in the hands of God. So if you're facing what seems to be impossible, you know, what seems to be like this is too much to handle, pray about it and leave it with God. Leave it in his hands. Take it to the altar. Take it to the Lord. Okay? Trust God's plan because we serve a sovereign God and he is in control. He is in control. He is in control. He is a sovereign God and in control. He is all-powerful. He is a mighty God and has complete control. Point number two, God is sovereign. God tells us to cast all our cares upon him for he cares for us. You got to know and believe, church, that who you are and whose you are, you got to know that. You're a child of God. You're a child of the most high God. You're a child of the righteous king. You're a friend of God. And because we are a friend of God, God is going to look after his friend. You know, God is not two-faced. He's not going to turn our backs on us. So don't you know that you have the authority in Jesus to speak to that giant, to speak to that mountain? Romans 8 and 31 tells us, what then shall we say in response to these things. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? You have to stand on the word of God and know that no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, you are not defeated. Trust God's plan, even if the outcome is different than you had anticipated. Why? Because the one who is all-powerful and in control is fighting the battle for you. The word of God tells us, be not afraid nor dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So if you're praying, don't worry about it. If you trust him, don't worry about it. If you believe him, don't worry about it because it's already done. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. The battle is already won. God sees your end from your beginning. I make known the end from the beginning, he says over in Isaiah. My purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. So you see, for some of us, it's challenging to see his provision and care, even when it's different. Even while we are allowed free will, what we must continually remember is that God is in total control. Nothing just comes about, but is ordained and orchestrated by an omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign God. God's supernatural provision. The risk here, the risk God calls us to take will be calculated, not reckless. The risk God calls us to take will be calculated. The steps will be ordered by the Lord. You know, it's not reckless. It will be based upon faith, not fear. And it will be rooted in our identity and whom God created you to be. Amen, church? Amen, amen. And keep on traveling with me. Keep on traveling with me. Guess what? All right. Your life story has already been predestined and written by God. He is in control of his story, H-I-S. He is in control of his story, okay? Your, your life, his plan, not your plan. God will not allow anyone or anything to cause his promise to be broken. He is a promise-keeping God, church. Amen? I'm so happy about it. He is a promise-keeping God. And just as he had made an unconditional, eternal covenant with David in which he promised to give his servant an eternal seed, throne, and kingdom, he made a promise to us. Isaiah 7 and 14. Behold. Behold. A virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Which leads me to my final and third point. And that is, God delivers on his promise. He is a covenant keeper. Let me hear you say, God delivers on his promise. 
the virgin birth was indeed a sign to the house of David that God would carry out his promise. A baby would be born of a virgin and his name would be called God with us. God of the universe entered the world through a virgin's womb to become like us and to become one with us. God will give Ahaz a sign that within a few years, both Israel and Syria would be crushed. You see, Satan's attempt to destroy the divinic line would not and could not prevail. It was, God, it was by God's design. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come from the genealogy of David. God, in his faithfulness, fulfilled his covenant promise to David through Jesus Christ whose reign and kingdom will have no end. You see, if Ahaz had been overthrown, the kingdom of Judah had been overthrown, it would have made it impossible for God's promise of a savior to come through the line of David. And I want to remind you that just as Satan tries to bring all manner of attacks against you, he will not win. Your life is by God's design as well. God promises to raise a standard against the enemy when he tries to come up against you like a flood. The enemy will not succeed. His plan will not succeed. You have to know that you are a child of the king of kings, Lord of lords. Amen, church. Amen. God promised that his love would never fail. God promised that things will work out for our good. God promised that he will return for you and I. God promised eternal life to those who trust in him. God promised to hold us securely. God promised, if you ask, believe, and receive it. God promised, he promised, there's many promises in the Bible God has made for us, and they are yes in Christ. Yes and amen. 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 So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful, church. You can trust God's plan because we know that we serve a sovereign God. And we know that he keeps his promises because he is a covenant keeper. Jesus, the Messiah, Isaiah 7 and 14, our focus scripture, was born of a virgin with you and I in mind. God, in his faithfulness, fulfilled the covenant promise to David through Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, whose reign and kingdom will have no end. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In him there is no defeat, church. In him there is hope. In him there is victory. And because we live, the songwriter says, we can face tomorrow. Because we live, all fears are gone. And now I know who holds the future. And I can face tomorrow. Emmanuel is his name. 
Emmanuel, there's victory. Emmanuel, God is with me. Emmanuel, God promises to keep me. Emmanuel, we worship you. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. In that name is greatness. In that name is power. In that name is deliverance. In that name is healing. In that name, I'm sustained. Amen, church, and God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bless God for the word. Come on, let's bless God for the word. Hallelujah. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. If you're able-bodied, everybody's standing. Amen. He is God with us. And God has a plan for your life and my life. Isn't that good news to know? That no matter what we go through, God is still going to work out his plan. You know what I love about God? God did not have to console anybody about my plan. The Bible says that he took counsel with his own self. <laughs> he, he, he asked his own self what I'm going to do about Philip. And he told his own self, I got a plan for his life. That no matter what comes and what goes, God will work out his plan in your life. For the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and those that are called according to his purpose. Do me a favor, take your finger, put it in your neighbor's face and say, he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. So chill. Chill. Rest in the promise of God. Rest in the fact that you got a God that will take care of you. Rest in the fact that you got a God that's going to work everything out for your good. It might have not felt good to you, but it was good for you. Look at somebody and say, it was good for me that I be afflicted. It was good for me that I had to struggle. It was good for me every tear I had to cry. In fact, can you give God praise for every time your back was against the wall in 2019, but God still had a plan for your life? I know everybody can't do this. I know everybody can't understand this, but I need you to just thank God for your wall. Hallelujah. I thank God for my wall. Because my wall taught me when my back was against the wall. My wall taught me that he, though they, he slay me, yet will I trust him. My wall showed me that no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper. In fact, the wall showed me I need to give God glory and give God praise. Because my wall actually made me better. It made me stronger. It made me wiser. Is there anybody in here that can just throw your hands up and say, God, I thank you that every time my back was against the wall in 2019, you still made a way for me. And I thank you for the plan over my life. I thank you for the plan over my life. And we give God glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, if you've never confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, my brother, my sister, I've come to introduce you to a man that can change your life and make you brand new. He's not some concept in history. He's not something that we imagined up. 
there are people all around you that will tell you that they have had a, an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That since Jesus came into my life, I've never been the same since. That he made me better. He made me stronger. He, he did something for me that my mama couldn't do, that my daddy couldn't do, that my money couldn't do, that my education couldn't do. I serve a God that came in my life and gave me purpose. I serve a God that came into my life and put a smile on my face. I serve a God that came into my life and healed all my broken pieces. And is there anybody in here that can testify that I serve a God that made me brand new? My brother, my sister, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, I'm going to count to three. And I want you to lift your hand saying, Pastor, I want to surrender my heart to the Lord on today. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. It's a done deal. You ain't got to fall out at the altar. You ain't got to roll in the floor. It is a knowing. It is a commitment that you are making right in that moment that's saying, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. I surrender my all to him. Secondly, if you need a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom, a place you can grow and mature in God. A place where God can push you into your purpose and push you into what he has for you. So my brother, my sister, if it's to give your heart to the Lord, if it's to join this church, nobody's looking at you. I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hand saying, Pastor, it's me. I want to surrender my heart to the Lord. I, I need to join this church. Come on, this is your moment. This is your time. Don't leave here the same way that you came. Come on, if I'm talking to you, here we go. One, God loves you. Two, this is your time. Come on, if I'm talking to you, just lift up your hand right where you are. One, two, and three. Lift up your hand if I'm talking to you. If I'm talking to you. I don't want to leave, want you to leave here the same way that you came. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. All right, heads up, eyes open. Come on, let's give God glory for the word of God on today. Come on. Let's bless God for the word of God. Can we bless, bless God for Minister Teresa? Amen. Preaching the word of God. I need those notes. I need those notes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. All right. I just want to make sure I'm on target. Amen. There we go. All right. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord as we get ready to give at this time. If you need an offering envelope, it's in the chair that's in front of you. Amen. If it's not one there, lift your hand. The hospitality ministry will serve you. Amen. Don't forget. Don't forget. We're giving $40 above tithes and offerings so that we can get our cameras. Amen. So make sure that you give towards that. But let the first place you need to stop at is at the tithe. Amen. Let's give the tithe to the Lord. Amen. 10% amen of your income giving it to the Lord based upon what the word of God says he said if you give the tithe I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive this ain't magic this ain't a get rich quick scheme this is obedience to God amen it is amazing that we live in a day and time where you have so many options that you think you got options in obedience